Hey. Hello. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And we are More Than a Season podcast. Thank y'all for being here. Yeah, thanks so much. Brittany kind of went on a journey this past week. Uh, You know, how are you hanging? I'm doing okay. I slept for like two days straight because I went to Texas on Tuesday with my mom and we stayed with Drew's family and we went wedding venue shopping in Austin because... California is great, but expensive. Mm -hmm. And I ended up not finding any, there was one place I absolutely loved in California, but it was like so expensive where I was like, okay, if this is the only option, you know, everything else is the same, we'll do it. But I just could not bring myself to spend that much money. So we went to Austin, every single venue, we were joking because every single venue we went to, we were like, I loved it. I loved it. Like, (laughs) I loved it. This is it. This is it. We'd all get in the car and we'd talk about it. We're like, okay, what'd you think? We all loved it. And so we couldn't figure out like how we were going to make a decision because it was kind of the opposite feeling where you Mm -hmm. weren't like, Eh, eh. like we're all like okay yeah that's it that's it yeah no that's awesome though at least you had a bunch of choices yeah I feel like when I was doing that process it made me laugh because in Dallas I'm sure it's the same in Austin but when we were looking at Dallas venues everyone is pretty much the same like price wise and things like that so to get an upper edge like on the sales they'll throw like all these ideas at you like oh you could do this with this space and Mm -hmm. you know us being from the events world we're like yeah not doing that yeah when they they give you the advice so I remember one one of the venues that we went to, I was dying laughing and I had to like step around the corner because it's like, she seriously did not just say this to us. She was like, we even have two restroom stalls included in the package. And I remember what? I looked at Carson and I was like, did she just sell us? On the restrooms. <laughs> like the fact that they're not already like Included. something that you should have. My mom and I were like, speaking of restrooms, went and tried every single, not tried, like going to the bathroom in every single one, but we went and like into every single restroom that we saw at the venues because I feel like that's something that people underlook. So if you are venue shopping or going to be in the future, look at the restrooms yeah. because you don't want to have long lines. You want to be able to provide like separate restroom areas for like cocktail hour and, mm-hmm. res- and your ceremony and then your reception. You want to have two different spaces if possible or a way to like section them out because I think people really underlook that when we saw one venue for the whole thing they had two restroom stalls I was like no no, no. like 200 people are gonna go to the like no No. it's crazy the things that you learn when you're in the event industry there was one venue that was like a bluish kind of color painted and I was like but then I have to go with a whole blue tone blue theme and they were like oh my gosh I didn't even think of that I'm like exactly like there's just things that you learn and it was just funny. We had a good time and got to spend a lot of time with Drew's mom, which was really, really fun. We had a really fun time with her. She came along to all of the visits, God bless her, because it was a long, long week. And we mm-hmm. were laughing because his sister was like, if I can take a Friday off, surely Drew can take a Friday off for <laughs> just, his wedding. Just so <laughs> yeah, we were just like, um, that's not really how it works. Like, you know, this isn't how it works, but it was just hilarious. So it became like the running joke. <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah, we'll just think on that one. Yeah, I was think like, so it has to be July. So we're getting married next July. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it'll I be know. Fun. I know our anniversaries are going to be close. <laughs> they are. Yeah, I know. Well, I, t- I tried to convince Drew there was one that had an opening for March 11th of next year. And he was like, no. 
yeah, no, not gonna work. I just, he's like, I could do it, but he's like, we'd have to go back to work. I was like, well, I wouldn't have to go back to work, but you <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> you would. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think it's crazy. It's already April mm-hmm. and just the year has been kind of flying by and this will be our third season here in Mississippi. And the reason why I'm going into all that is just because with coaching, I feel like the whole lifestyle, you never know how long you're going to be somewhere, right? obviously. But with that being said, there's so many different factors that play into this lifestyle, whether it be job support and security, or it would be, you know, just moving around mm-hmm. or meeting different people. And the interview that we have today with Christine Flores is just amazing because she created the Coaching Family Foundation. Yes. And she talks all about why she created this foundation, what her purpose was behind it. And I think it's just so important for anyone in the coaching industry and honestly, just in any industry, because I think we need more foundations like this within the sports Mm -hmm. industry to be able to provide for people that are going through a hard time or going through that transition. And we interviewed our baseball life and they also have something like this and it's amazing. So I think for you all to listen and kind of take notes on things that you can do to help out other people within the industry or maybe, you know, come up with your own foundation for something else in the future. I think it's just so important that we always continue to give back to each other. Yeah. And I feel with the sports industry, all of us know that there's always someone that's in that transition period, like always. Mm -hmm. There's not everyone that fits that cookie cutter, like, oh, we hop from one job to the other. And it's unfortunate that the way that it turns out for some people that have to go through that, especially at a role where you're not making mm-hmm. the highest amount paid salary that you possibly could. So you end up almost feeling like stuck in a little bit of panic of, okay, what is our next step? Like, what are we going to do? And I think that this foundation will just alleviate a little bit more of that pressure mm-hmm. that you feel when that transition period's not going the way that you thought it was going right. to go. Right. Yeah. She does a really great job of explaining everything. And so take a listen and we will see you on the other side. You know that it's our favorite time of the week where we have another episode. We're excited about this one. We have been following this person. I'm not going to say her name yet, but we've been following her on Instagram for a long time. She does a lot of amazing things over on that platform and she has started an even more amazing part to add to this community. So we are going to toss it on over to her to let her introduce herself and we can dive on in. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me. My name is Christine and I run Coach Wife Life over on Instagram and a blog as well. And coming up Soon, we're starting a nonprofit for coaching families called the Coaching Family Foundation. So thank you so much for having me so we can talk about it. Yeah, we absolutely love following you on Instagram. I think you were actually one of the OGs of more than a season, like one of the very first supportive followers. So we appreciate you and everything that you have done for the community. But we want to back it up because we always love hearing where everyone's journey started because we know you don't just poof magically end up in the football industry. So give us a little background on who your significant other is, how y'all meet. Yeah, so my husband is David Flores. He is the offensive coordinator at Evangel University. We actually met at Evangel in undergrad. So he was my powder puff football coach. (laughs) So that's how we met. (laughs) No big deal. We won the championship. And and I broke my finger making a tackle and had to have surgery. and, And I actually caught a touchdown pass with my casted hand. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you were dedicated. <laughs> yes. 
it was very competitive. So yeah, so that's how we met. And he, you know, has of course moved around different places. So he was a student assistant whenever I met him. And actually I had thought he, I thought he was cute. And then somebody was like, oh yeah, coach flow is what people call him. And I was like, oh, he's a coach. So never mind. He's like, cause I was a student. Yeah. Uh, I was like, never mind. He's old. And then I realized later, I was like, okay, okay. We, we can happen. work with this that. Work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, he was a student assistant when we met and uh, we started dating during football season, but you know, like the beginning of the relationship, we weren't like, I didn't really mm-hmm. even have to know how busy yeah. he was and then like and then he moved away to Kansas City to coach at Avila University as a GA so we were long distance and then after I graduated college I moved out to Kansas City and then like six months later he's like actually I'm moving over here now I was like cool <laughs> cool 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 so I stayed in Kansas City which was good because he only lived at that place for like six months and then he moved somewhere else. <laughs> so I ended up, I was like, I'm not moving until we're married. So I waited until we were married. And then I joined him in Columbia, Missouri. And he was a GA at Mizzou at that time. So, wow. and then we lived there for a few years. And but yeah, we were long distance, most of our dating relationship and all of our engagement. So. I was going to say you got Yay. engaged being long distance. And then got married uh-huh. long distance too? Like, did you plan your wedding long distance before you moved in with him? Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah, my gosh. Did. That's impressive. <laughs> that is so impressive. Yeah. So you get to work on communication <laughs> a lot whenever <laughs> you're long distance. I think it was helpful in some ways because like whenever we got married, and of course he's super busy, but I just like appreciated the times that I did get to see him because I never really got to see him before that. So even though I didn't see him as often as probably most newlyweds, mm-hmm. not in the coaching world, I, I was able to appreciate the little time that I was able to see him. Yeah. yeah, I think that's interesting because I was talking to Ashley about this. I moved from California to Washington to be with Drew. We moved in together. And everyone was like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, you never get to see them, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, yeah, but I never got to see him mm-hmm. at all when we were long distance. Mm-hmm. And when I did get to come out, I saw him for like coffee or like maybe a dinner. And so I think yeah. you really appreciate like the extra time that you get, even though it doesn't seem like extra to people that are like fully living mm-hmm. together. But what do you yeah. think is the hardest part or what do you think was the hardest part about getting into the football industry? Yeah, I think it can feel lonely sometimes. It can feel isolating sometimes, not just with your significant other, not just with the lack of time that you're able to see them, but sometimes it can feel isolating with your friendships too, kind of like what you were saying. Your friends not understanding why you're not able to see them, why he's not able to come to the wedding that you're invited to or come to this holiday and things like that. So it can feel isolating sometimes. I think that's probably the hardest part. Yeah, I th- I agree. I think that there comes this time, and and I've said it before. I think I actually said it last week on Instagram because there comes this time where you move with your significant other, and it's so exciting. You're like, oh, new location, new job, new people, and as exciting as that is, once you get to that location, all of a sudden you realize you're kind of in this bubble, and it's this weird feeling, and it's kind of strange because you are surrounded by people all the time 
but you feel that isolation sometimes. And so it's completely until you are in it. I, I hate when people say, you know, didn't you know what you're getting yourself into? Because no, I didn't actually <laughs> until you're actually in it. You don't really feel that. So is that the tagline that like went with your Instagram name, like coach wife life? Like you were trying to get everyone to basically realize, hey, you know, there's a lot of us out here. This is what we need to do to come together and not feel so isolated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a unique lifestyle. It is a lifestyle, but there are a lot of other people who do get it. And when I first started, there weren't a lot of accounts Mm -hmm. that were dedicated to that niche. And um, now there's a lot, which is really great because now there's a lot of opportunities to meet other people and to feel seen and understood and feel like there are other people who get it. Um, That was really kind of what I was going for too, of like, you know, we get it, people who get it. And when you started that, did you feel the reciprocation with others? Like, did you feel that instant connection with people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a, a lot of people still who reach out because they're struggling with their relationship or struggling with long distance, struggling with the time that it's taking away from their relationship. Right. I get most, most of my messages are for pe- from people in new relationships who are like, whoa, 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 yeah. <laughs> what is this? Is this worth it? Because I remember thinking too, like, and I asked a friend of mine whose husband was a coach, I was like, is it worth it? And kind of what I concluded was like, it's hard, but the, depending on the person, the person can be worth it. Yeah. yeah. If the person is worth it, then yes, it's worth it. If they're yeah. not, then no. I agree. I think that it's one of those decisions that you have to make. There's no like half in kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. like you are all fully dedicated or not. And I, yeah. with this community that we have, have created as well, and like being in the same space of just the football world, I, I think that with community, people are just trying to find clarity to why they're feeling these things and why this is happening during the the lifestyle that we're all living. So I think that that's great that you led the way with that, especially on Instagram and just creating such a positive outlook and space uh, for all these women um, who have significant others in the sports industry. But I want to ask if you could give one piece of advice for someone new starting out in the industry, what would you what would you tell them? Yeah, I'd say be patient with your coach. They're not, (laughs) you know, ignoring you. They're not not paying attention to you on purpose, but also get involved and just try to be all in, like you were saying, and uh, try to meet other people, whether it's on the same team or online. You guys have an amazing online community that people can get involved with too and can feel seen and understood as well. So yeah, I'd say just trying to get involved, trying to meet other people, just so that you feel, you do feel connected. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing that we've learned in this whole entire industry of sports. It's like people outside just don't, they just don't get it. And as much as they might try to, you really don't understand it until you're in it. And so having other people that understand and can be there for you is really important. And I know that you created this amazing foundation. So I kind of want to dive into that because you opened up to a market that is non-existent right now. Like you're trying to get into this world where I know in the baseball industry that we interviewed our baseball life and they have a foundation that's similar for baseball and we were like where is that for football like where is it for coaching where is it for the the people that are out of jobs and they're constantly looking for 
just something to get them by until that next job. So I want to talk about how you got started with your foundation and what was like the driving factor for it. So that's so cool that that is already in existence for baseball. That is awesome. So kind of how it got started, I had these creative ideas of things that I wanted to do. And I was like, it'd be really cool if I could have a portion go to some kind of nonprofit for that benefits coaching families so that it's kind of in the same niche. Yeah. Because there are a million nonprofits out there. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just look and find one. And I looked and looked and looked and I couldn't find anything. And I was like, well, how hard can it be? Which is hilarious <laughs> because it's really hard. So it's a lot of work. It's just funny that I yeah. thought that. Like, how hard can it be? So that's kind of how it got started. So I was like, okay, well, if there was one, what would be the problem that it would help solve? And so I just kind of try to brainstorm and think about what are the problems that coaching families face that could be support. And so it kind of just came to, yeah, whenever they're in transition, whenever they've been fired from their position and now the families are like, crap, what are we going to do? We don't have an income. And one of the stories that really inspired me when we were at Mizzou, so my husband started as a GA and then moved into like a, probably the same pay as like quality control. Mm -hmm. And so Whenever we had a coaching change, a lot of our friends were fired and, you know, the, the GAs, they were able to keep their positions, at least at this school, because they were on contract to finish the semester. The full-time guys had contract, like the major, the big full-time guys making six figures had contracts, but the guys who were making Mm $40,000, nothing. And we had a friend that had to move in with their parents and I think they were pregnant, like. It was really hard for so many of our friends. And that's really just one of the stories that sticks with me that just shows like there is such a need for this Um, because whenever you're making $250,000, you can, you know, set aside more income for like an emergency when you're making $40,000, it's hard to set aside, you know, six worth, worth of an emergency fund. And it takes a lot of time to get there. So it's kind of for like the, I guess the middle, the middle of the road people who don't have those supports, don't have the backup plan of the contract and things like that. Yeah. As you're sharing that, I'm thinking of several people that just from being in the industry the past several years that just went through that and everyone has to it's almost like you have to buckle down and figure out what sacrifices you're about to make because, I mean, he has to find something else. And I also think that it impacts the mental health state a little bit because when you're let go or there's a change, it not only affects like your significant other, but then there's just this, I guess, this atmosphere that changes. It's almost like a panic mode that sets in of like survival. So With all that to say, I can just definitely relate. And I think that there is so much of a need for something like this because those that are um, the full-time position coaches that are making that six-figure income, there is that stability, I agree. And then a lot of the contracts, you know, if they are fired or let go of a program, they have that wiggle room to do that. So this is incredible of an idea. And what goes into creating a foundation? Because I don't think you just sign your name on something and it's like, boom, done. So what have you had to do to get to where you're at right now? Well, I'm learning a lot. So I have one of my best friends run two foundations. Um, So I've been asking her a lot of questions. And then 
someone that I worked with in a previous job, she's actually starting a nonprofit consulting business. And so I am one of her first people to help her. I think she's helped a lot of people, but since making it her full-time thing, um, she's been really helpful in that. So I have been working with a lawyer. I interviewed a few lawyers just to kind of figure out, you know, who, who is the best fit for what I'm trying to do and also who is in my budget. Yeah. <laughs> So working with a lawyer so that they can establish everything because I will miss something. And my husband doesn't want us to have to pay like all these taxes because I've made a mistake. Yeah. (laughs) So going through a lawyer. So I recommend that. And then I also recommend working with Pursuit of Purpose Consulting. That is who I have been using for, you know, just kind of bouncing ideas off. And what do I do about this? And she helps do the behind the scenes things for nonprofits. So eventually would love to work with her on like delegating grant writing to her or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So those are some of the first steps that I have been doing is finding a lawyer, working with her to try to figure out what's next. And fundraising is big part too, because Mm -hmm. I didn't just have, you know, $2,500 sitting around to try to establish this. So that's what we're doing doing fundraising for that to pay for the lawyer fees and the web hosting, the domain, all the things, the graphics. So yeah, there is a lot that goes into it, but I'd say first steps is probably just talking with somebody who has done it Mm -hmm. or has a business helping other people who do that. And then once you get it established and all of that kind of irons itself out, how are you going to get the money to create this scholarship fund and like what is that going to look like is there a certain number that you're like trying to reach every year or what are you trying to like keep the the pot I guess (laughs) the majority of our funds will come from donations so would love to have people giving multiple or monthly donations and also I will be doing some grant writing so my background is in social work I have been working at nonprofits my whole career so I know that side of nonprofits, just not, I'm just now learning the, how to run one and start one and things like that. So, um, so the primary financial support will be through donations and grants as well. And we're doing quarterly applications. So families can apply quarterly. So it won't be like a month you apply every month. It'll be every quarter. And then whatever is in the pot is what will be given out. So would love for that to be at least one paycheck or one month paycheck for a family. Would love for it to be more. And it really just depends on the donations that we have coming in, which is why I am very excited for this opportunity for people to give towards coaching families in need. I also think it would be a great opportunity for ADs and head coaches to be able to give to this monthly to maybe alleviate some guilt for some of those decisions that have to be made for staff. So yeah, would love for it to be, you know, have a, have a pretty big pot Mm -hmm. so that we can give to multiple families, but really, yeah, it just depends on what, what all we have coming in. So it's important that we get the word out. Yeah. I think that this is such a wonderful idea. And I think that moving forward, it's just going to take time and people are just, I can just see it exploding because everyone wants to help. I feel like we have a really good industry where people are trying to step up, especially the significant others, because we're trying to do everything that we can to prepare for what's coming Mm -hmm. if something does happen. So we are fully in support of doing whatever we can to help you. And so I, I absolutely love this. 
this. And with the application process, I want to ask a question about will these applications be anonymous? And if the money is given, how will you let the people know for donations that that money has been removed, if that makes sense. So if a family writes in or fills out the application and that money has been de- like decided that it'll go towards this particular family, is it all anonymous or how do you plan on doing that transfer, I guess, of funds? So whenever a family applies, it can't be anonymous. We will need their you know, contact information. We'll also do some background research to make sure that this did happen, that they are without a job, just to make sure that we are giving money to the people who are in the greatest need. And then we will have the contact information for the people who apply if they are awarded that scholarship. For the people who donate, we could share, you know, just some background information of the, your, your money was able to help support this family. There wouldn't be any detailed information about who it was going to, but just some information about, yes, your money yeah. was able to help this family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But if, especially if that family is wanting to remain anonymous, we will absolutely respect that and not, you know, post yeah. their picture yeah. on our <laughs> social media and say, hey, we gave them this money because um, not everybody wants that. Right. And is it just going to be for football coaching families or is it kind of open to any coaching families? Any coaching family, any sport. And then the loyal lawyer will narrow down what level of position or what level of division can be, it can be most appropriate for. So mm-hmm. yeah, because with some positions, they, they might still have their teaching contract and the sports stipend was only like $2,000. Right. So that wouldn't really add up, but it kind of just depends on the situation. Yeah, that's awesome. We're excited for that because I think that it's just going to be such a huge impact on how everyone will feel with knowing that there's something or someone to reach out to to have that support for. And one question that comes to mind is for the marketing and just the representation of the brand itself. Are you needing resources? What is next for that marketing side of the foundation? Yes. So when we do the official launch, which will be when the nonprofit is officially started, the lawyer has been paid, everything has been started, is when we'll move forward with launching the social media and the web page. So that is in the works. I do have the social media account and the and the website domain already, but they're not ready to be posted yet. So we'll share those as they become available, but it will be closer to the official launch of the nonprofit. So you're just waiting basically to get the funds to kind of cover everything on the back end to launch officially. And it's kind of like you don't have a determined date, I guess. You're just kind of waiting on those factors to be straightened out. Yes. So we're still, we have paid for the initial lawyer costs. We've paid for the domain, the web hosting, um, and then now we're just waiting. We have $1,000 left to raise to finalize the lawyer fees, and then we'll be ready to go. So hopefully that is soon. Hopefully that could be this month. Um, But yeah, just working on some fundraising and just making sure that we are good to go. And then that'll be coming soon. And you guys are using GoFundMe or what what is the platform that you're using to collect these funds? Yes, GoFundMe is one of the platforms. We also did an auction, an online auction, and I'm wanting to do some more of those as well. So that was from Rally Up that we did that one. 
And then some others have given through Venmo, there's PayPal. Um, so I have accounts set up for the foundation that go into that bank account for the foundation as well. Oh, that's, that's a awesome. lot. Yeah, I feel like setting up like bank <laughs> accounts and all of that, like the back end, and then having to do like your taxes. We were talking about that with like our podcast and stuff. We're like, oh my gosh, when you add all of those different factors of having to do tax information and contracts mm-hmm. and bank accounts, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so much work. Yeah. yeah. It is a lot of work. But I'm excited to be able to help families that are in need and just for it to be officially off the ground because for I sure. feel like I've been, you know, it's been an idea since January of 2021. And so I was very excited for this year whenever I could finally share about like, okay, this is what I've been, you know, what I've been working on. And I'm very excited for it to be off the ground and actually to be able to send money to a family in need. That's going to be a big milestone that I'm really excited for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're excited for it too. And one last question about the foundation and with our community, just shout it out. What are you needing from us at this moment? We can fundraise, whatever. If you could shout out to them right now that are listening, lay it all out there. What are you needing? Yeah. So right now the greatest need is fundraising. Okay. So we have that $1,000 left to fundraise. That was that would be priority number one. And then next step is just getting it out there, mm-hmm. letting people know that whenever something like this does happen, letting them know that there is an option. That's a huge goal of mine is for this to be a household name that people just know like, oh, this happened. Let's call these people. Let's apply for this. So just, yes, fundraising and getting the word out there is going to be crucial and being able to help these families and just help the foundation to grow and thrive and to be able to help families in a time of need. Awesome. So, We appreciate all this information. We're definitely going to continue to push things out. We'll include all the information in our show notes as well to kind of tie back into the football industry and your whole journey within that. What is one thing that if you could go back in time and tell your younger self just starting out in the football industry, something that you've learned that would help you today, what would that be? Something that I have learned, even whenever things are stressful, like let's say you're having your position group over and it's a lot of work and it's stressful but just kind of telling myself in that moment this is going to be you know really good relationship building and just kind of telling myself even whenever I'm overwhelmed and stressed just reminding myself of the positive things that come from times like that and whenever I am really tired and making cookies at 10 p.m because we told them that we'd make them cookies if they made the certain play that that's what they get so excited about and that's building relationships Mm -hmm. even whenever I'm not seeing them and I'm just making cookies. It's building relationships with them and just showing love to them and just kind of telling myself, even when I'm overwhelmed, this is, this is a good thing. This is worth it. And this is pouring into them. Yes. Yeah. I love that answer. Well, we appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit about your journey so far. And then this wonderful foundation that you have created We're excited to follow along and actually help and do anything that we can to help the community. So thank you again for coming on and thank you to all of our listeners and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season Podcast for the latest updates. If you've enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time.